Matt, Steph, as we record this, we are, let's do some quick math, I think 10 days from sending the 2020 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football to print. Um, how would you describe the status of your brain? Fried. Tep and Step, your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends, your amigos at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep, Greg Tepper. And I am the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. There are more of you, apparently. And we, for if this is your first time listening to Tep and Step, a very special welcome to you. Hello. We love you very much because you are an, a smart person. Yes, you have decided to invest. You've invested. You know, I would say that you would invest in 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 football, but really, you know, step the way I look at it, it's an investment in yourself. Absolutely. I mean, you're making yourself look like a much smarter person by listening to two big nerds like us. Because when you're out with your friends talking about high school football in Texas, you will have all the inside scoop. Hopefully. So this is your premium high school football podcast. This is, I guess, the first May edition. Um, the first May 2020 edition. Uh, you and I are both at home. Um, we are. We are. Both of our uh, jobs are still. Uh, you don't have to go in the office for your big boy job uh, for Mm-mm. for a minute here, right? Yeah. So uh, at least until June 1st, but maybe a little bit longer because I I am not essential. So uh, they may keep well, me home a little bit longer. Hopefully they keep me employed a little longer, but uh, I'm not yeah. actually essential. So, you know, they can keep me home a little bit longer. Yeah. The, um, uh, we are the, the Dave Campbell's editorial crew. Uh, we are finishing up the 2020 summer edition. That bad boy goes to press on May 29th. And then June 1st is the next Monday. That is our planned return to the office with precautions and things like that. And, uh, so there you go. So this will probably be your last remote edition of Tap and Step, at least, at least for a second. Uh, you yeah, know, we'll, yeah. We'll, see, we'll see if we can get Step back in the in, in the studio. I, but might, anyway, I might be willing to come back in and see you. You know, we'll we'll see. I'll see how we'll your see. quarantine cut is looking, and and yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. You may walk in and be like, nope, nope, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, so. This is your May off-season edition of Tep and Step. We appreciate you being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We are going to talk a lot about, and I mean, we're recording this on May 19th, so I don't mind telling you that, you know, the, the news that came down this morning, this afternoon, about the UIL's decision to open up spring wor- uh, summer workouts. We're going to talk about what we know and what we don't know, because I think there's a lot of confusion out there. I think For we're going to sure. try to try to kind of put a fine point on, on exactly what we know and what we don't know. Then we're going can, to talk. Can we put ourselves in the back real quick? Because uh, that was broken by the Dave Campbell's Texas football team, that June 8th uh, news. Okay. That, was, that was a, we broke listen, that. Man, so. Listen, that's uh, it's, it's been a, it's been a nice month here for Dave Campbell's as far as breaking some, uh, breaking some news. Uh, and then we're going to talk oh, coaching changes, including a big one that came down and kind of the inside scoop behind John Walsh to San Marcos, as well as, um, we're going to kind of give a, a coaching change season is now, I would say, sputtering to a halt. Yeah, but, I think I think what happened in San Marcos is the last big salvo. There's a few smaller jobs that are still open, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's winding down, and it, and it was a little bit slower this year for obvious reasons. But there were still some yeah. big moves. So we're going to talk about those big moves and which ones we think are the biggest, which coaches we're most looking forward to seeing in their new places. But before all of that, Matthew, we want to start, as we always do, with your TXHSFBFFOTW, your Texas High School football fun fact of the week. I sent me that, and I'm like, what the hell is that? I sent him the acronym, and you were like, I understand everything about what you said except that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. Uh, Matt Stapp, what Texas high school football team has both the active and all-time district losing streak? What Texas high school football team has both the consecutive, both the active and uh and all-time longest 
district losing streak? I think I know this one. I feel pretty confident. Yes. Houston, Sam Houston. Ding, 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 ding. Wow, that is right. Bam. Um, Houston, Sam Houston uh, has lost 87 in a row. And if I'm reading this correctly, they've actually tied their own record. Um, um, Said from 03 to 07, they've lost 87 home games, or rather uh, district games in a row. And uh, now I will say this. Look, I'm just going to throw this out there. They're going to have, I think, looking at their district, they're, they're sliding in district 18-6. And the problem is they're in 6A. In 6A, they're just yeah. they're just, just kind of overmatched. Yeah, I think their best shot is probably against Westbury. Yeah. Westbury or maybe Chavez. Chavez maybe. was pretty good last year. So. Yeah, Chavez was 500, if I remember Yeah, right. yeah. I think Westbury is probably their best chance. They just, uh, that's just a team that, that, that they just struggle with numbers. They just they have a hard time getting kids out. Yeah, they do. Uh, so anyway, there's your Texas high school football in scare quotes, fun fact of the week. Uh, and now Matthew, let's talk about what happened today. Today, as we mentioned, is May 19th when we're recording this. And there was some news that came down from the UIL. You, uh, broke the story on, uh, on, on Twitter and then on texasfootball.com about, uh, the, the return of, of some semblance of organized UIL football can you kind of take us through exactly what ha- what your morning was like? So I started hearing some rumblings uh, that actually over the weekend that after – so as you know, Governor, Governor Abbott had his press conference uh, on Monday uh, kind of going over where, where we were as a state in regards to opening what's open. He opened some additional things up on Monday, and so I kind of got a heads up that, hey, look for – June 15th to kind of be the date that things were going to ramp up from the UIL. And so after Governor Abbott's press conference stating that, you know, youth sports were going to be camps, et cetera, were going to be allowed after May 31st, kind of made sense. Well, then uh, starting Monday night, kind of right while when the John Walsh thing was going on, uh, we, you know, Tepper and I, we watched the school board meeting on Zoom last night. And let me tell you, that's a, that is party central. A, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, that's a party. <laughs> yeah. Dur- during that, I started to get text messages that, hey, it's probably going to be June 8th, which is the actual same date uh, as Louisiana, which we found that out last week. Louisiana was opening up on June 8th. So I started hearing some rumblings about June 8th. And so then, uh, you know, this morning – Started started to get some text messages and with some screenshots of the UIL guidance, that kind of thing. So um, that's kind of how it went. And then once I tweeted it, it, it blew up as it should. It's big news. Everybody needs to know about it. And, and it's, it's exciting news because yep. it's hopefully the first step towards a return to quote unquote normalcy that we all are hoping for. Um, what that's going to look like is still up in the air. The UIL was very vague and they, they were still working on it. And from what I understand, the UIL had a game plan in place, but the governor, when, when he made his press conference, he, I think, caught the UIL off guard by loosening more up than what the UIL anticipated. So I hmm. think they were caught a little off guard. And so now the UIL is kind of taking this week to kind of take what the governor said and reevaluate what their recommendations are. Um, I have some ideas of what the recommendations are, and, and if you want to wildly speculate, Tepper, let, let's let's do that, right? Let's wildly speculate. That's why the people pay their money. Yes. So, <laughs> so originally, what the thought was is that the UIL was going to um, open up with, with June eighth. They were going to open up strength and, summer strength and conditioning. So we're talking two hours per day, Monday through Thursday. Fridays are, are off days, and weekends are off uh, for summer strength and conditioning, two hours of strength and conditioning and one hour per day of skills for specific activity is what I've heard. So that's a a departure from last year when it was was two hours per week. Now they're giving four hours per week, one hour per day of school sports specific activity. I'm assuming that's the loosening to give uh, make up for some of the lost time in the off season. Now, I was told originally it was going to be outdoor activities only. You could take equipment outside, but it had to be outside. So if you wanted to bring some footballs out there, you could do that. You want to bring some dumbbells out, weight benches, you want to set it up on a tennis court, have a weight room on a tennis court. You could do that kind of thing. 
And, and let me let me interject here for just one sure, second. Sure, sure. Um, from from what I've under from what I understand, and this is high Greg Tepper, professional doctor guy. Uh, as as we all know, you guys know that I'm a doctor, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not actually a doctor. If this is your first time, we'll see. Anyway, um, but You're a doctor of football. I'm a doctor of football. <laughs> but what, from I'm just somebody who who has read a lot about this stuff, and from what I understand, there is a growing consensus among uh, scientists and smart people who study this kind of stuff that uh, you are much more likely to contract it inside than outside. Correct. I think, yeah. I think, I think that has become a consensus among uh, scientists. And so I think yeah. that if that is in fact the case where they're going to say you can only be outside, I would bet that that is the reasoning behind that. Correct. Uh, yeah. Smart people are saying that it's, it's much, it's, they're not saying it's not, it's impossible, but they're saying it's much less likely to have, uh, transmission when you're outside yes. and, and when it's hot, when it's yes. above a certain temperature and when there's sunlight, UV lights uh, and uh, heat apparently make the make the virus much less viable in the open air and, and much less likely. It's probably a, still a chance you could get sick outside, but much less likely. So that's, that was the whole logic behind going outside. And I think a lot of coaches were preparing for that you know, t- preparing for the thought of, Hey, let's, let's take our, let's unhook our benches. Let's unhook our squat racks. Let's do power clean. We can set up stations on the track and kind of have a rotation circuit kind of thing going, uh, that kind of thing. I think coaches were kind of prepared for that. Um, but the, the governor loosened up a little bit more than, than what we thought. And so now the, the, the rumblings amongst the coaches is that the UIL is going to allow them to be in the weight room with strict restrictions. So they're going to limit the number of kids that can be inside of the weight room, but that they can use the weight room provided that the coaches do, um, you know, sanitizing, disinfectant, you know, after a kid uses the bench, that kind of thing. So um, that's the talk. We'll see if it happens, but, but that, that, that consensus amongst the coaches that I'm talking to is definitely growing that there could be a, um, where maybe you have a, you can have 10 to 12 kids. Cause you gotta remember some of these weight rooms are massive too. They're very large uh, spaces. So you can conceivably socially distance in a weight room because the g- gyms are now open. And basically the weight room is a gym on a high school campus. So there is some thought that you can get some weight room work in um, just n- maybe not have the whole team in the weight room like normal. So you may have to rotate in and shifts that kind of thing. So um, I think that's a possibility. As far as using the locker room, I think we're still a ways off from that. Um, mm. Until the governor tells gyms, like, you know, if I want to go to Planet Fitness or whatever, hey, Planet Fitness, if you want to sponsor Dave Campbell's Texas football, we'd love to have you. Um, Come on, boy. You, you know, well, more the merrier. But if you want to um, go to the gym, like, you know, you want to go to your Planet Fitness or 24-hour fitness or whatever, you can't use the locker room right now. That's closed. And yeah. until the governor, I think, loosens that up, I don't think the, the – kids will be able to use the locker room they may have to just show up in their own workout clothes and bring them in and that kind of thing so um but i think it's progress in the right direction um i think uh we'll see i think we'll we'll see some guidance this week from the uil that gives specific guidelines but i think the coaches out there are kind of they're preparing for two scenarios one scenario where they can't use their weight room and one scenario where they can so i think all the coaches are kind of preparing for that but but i mean talking to coaches they're all very, very excited about this step. They're ready to see their kids. And like I tweeted out, the coaches, as much as kids need coaches, coaches need kids as well. And they miss their kids. And, and I'm sure a lot of them are just, their wives are just ready to get rid of them at this point. So I, I you're going to see um, a really a lot of excitement around this, this, this restart of, of some normalcy. Uh, on June the 8th. And, and I'm happy. I'm glad that we're giving it a shot. Um, I'm glad we're not jumping in feet all the way in feet first. I think this is, this is the, yes. I don't want to say it's dipping our toes in the water. Cause it's a little bit more than that, but I would say this might be when you go to a swimming pool and it's a little, it's, it's a little cold, the water's a little cold. And so you're just going to put your feet in and kind of adjust to it first yeah. before you jump all the way in. That's yeah, kind we got of, two, we, got two, we got, we're standing in the water. We're standing in the water. It's only up to our ankles. Uh, yeah. Our cups are still bone dry as Millhouse would say, but uh, we are, you know, this is a, this is a step, and and I think that, you know, I I I tweeted about this, and and I think that it's an important point to make. It was a great um, tweet too. It was really really well thought. It was you hit the nail on the head. This is to me. This is not a, like what this what today is is not the end. Okay, what this is is this is the end of the beginning. All right, because 
Now, well, this is now, you know, we're on the premium podcast. This is nut cutting time. This is, this is the critical, crucial moment as far as determining whether or not we're going to have high school football in the fall. And here's what I mean, okay? Um, I'm, I'm not going to, as I mentioned on TFT today, I'm not going to pretend to speak for the UIL, but just knowing how the UIL works, and I think that I don't think they will disagree with this, that, that I say that they are not going to knowingly put kids in harm's way. It's just, it's just not going to happen. It'll never happen. No, absolutely uh, if they, not. If they deem something to be unsafe, they are going to make sure that they make it not unsafe. There's got to be yeah. a better way to say it, something than not unsafe. Yeah, they're going to. They're gonna, they're gonna, like, but this is the, the this is the test run right here. This is right. if if things go well, we're going to proceed as normal. If things yes. go bad, um, that that's 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 the concern. But at some point, you got to kind of. Right. You know, you got to kind of you got you got to ch- test it out. I mean, we you know the UIL. We we knew they were going to try to test it out at some point. And we kind of thought in June is when things would happen, and so, you know, now there's still time too. I mean, if things went if things went south in the next three weeks, you know, we might see a pulling back of things. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we don't. My my hope, you know, yesterday, you know, I think Texas had their lowest death toll since March 31st yesterday. Great news. Mm-hmm. Let's let's hope that continues. I hope that it gets down to zero people passing away from this, uh, and we can get down to some to some sense of normalcy and, and, and get back to doing what we all love. But, but this is the thing is that this is the, the crucial moment because um, it is now going to be up to players and coaches. And I know that players and coaches are really fired up to get out there. And I know fans are excited for them to get out there too. Right. Mm-hmm. But it is now up to them to be smart about this because let's be real. If they're dumb about it and a bunch of kids and coaches start getting sick, we are in deep doo-doo for the fall, okay? Yes. yes, That would be because I'll tell you, that's going to signal not to the powers that be, whether it's the UIL, whether it's the governor, whether it's school districts, we'll get into that in a moment, uh, that it, that football is not safe, okay? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that to scare people. I'm telling you that because that's the reality of the situation. Absolutely. This is a, an important trial balloon, and players and coaches – absolutely positively have to stay safe if we're going to have any hope because if because right now if 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 the if two months from now god forbid if two months from now we're talking about all the kids who got sick from going out and having having these summer workouts then the chances of football in the fall go down dramatically yeah on on the flip side if it goes well and we start kind of cruising along and things are you know kids and coaches are not really getting sick I hate to say it. Inevitably, somebody's going to get sick. It's, it's like I, I hate to say it, it's probably going to happen. Um, just the nature yeah. of the beast. Yeah. But if that number is one or two, as opposed to one thousand or two thousand, then that would bode well for the fall. But this is, to me, uh, this is not the this is not the celebration moment. This is the moment where we say, okay, it's time to make sure we're super smart about this, so we don't yeah. screw it up for the fall. Exactly. Exactly. I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think it's a crossroads moment. I think it's either going to go one of two ways and I'm hoping it goes the right way. And I'm hoping that that things 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 continue to improve as as a state and as a country and that we can get back to some to some sense of normalcy. It's it's a it's an exciting day because I know everyone is just was it's it's nice to have some good news. And I feel like this is good news. and And it's been nice to see on my Twitter timeline a bunch of excited coaches. I can tell you now. As much as coaches appreciated the technology and doing Zoom meetings, they're tired. They're zoomed out. They are. Oh yeah. Part of it is the the message. The kids. Let's be honest. Kids only have a certain amount of attention. I think the kids are tired of it, and I know the coaches are. They're ready to to get rolling. So. Yeah. It's a, so it's an exciting day. I'm hoping for for good good things to come. Yeah, me too. And 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 that's another thing that I think is is going to be important and, and kind of I want to transition into this is um a kind of a, a, a what we know and what we don't know. Um like to me I, I wanted to make sure and, and again I'm not trying to tell people not to be excited because I do think that today is a good day and what happened today is an important first step. Uh, that doesn't guarantee us football in the fall. Uh, and you know, there was another thing and I know football, I know there was, there were some, co- some comments on TFT talking about, Oh, well, like what about fans? Does that mean we can come to the games? Well, first of all, we don't even know if they're going to be games yet. Like let's pump the brakes there. And secondly, this doesn't to me tell us anything about what they're thinking on fans. I think that is a completely and totally different conversation as far as whether or not they're going to be fans in the stands. 
Absolutely. And I think it may be up to, it may get down to, to, to the local level. You know, yeah. what, what happens in, in, in Dallas, let's say that use Dallas ISD, for example, what, what Dallas ISD does, let's say the UIL has football in the fall. We start on August 3rd, practice starts, and then August 28th, first games roll, are rolling out. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to have fans. It may be one of those deals where, where in Dallas ISD, they may say, hey, we're not going to have fans for the first four weeks of the season. But in Wink, they may have fans. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, that's going to be much more of a local decision mm-hmm. made by the individual school districts. Because let's be honest, Texas is a large state. It's a diverse state. And what's happening in Dallas is not the same as what's happening in Wink. What's happening in Catula is not what's happening in Wichita Falls. Every, every The state's huge. It's, it's giant geographically. The population is, is spread out in lots of areas. So I think it's going to be really very, very wildly based on locale. And, and that's that's one thing because, you know, we were going to record this, I think, last week, and, and it just didn't happen because I've buried it's magazine, magazine stuff. Season. It's magazine, magazine season, guys. And, and I'll be honest. We we, we started we'll, – we'll get to John Walsh in a minute, but we wanted to talk about John Walsh, and we knew that that's more than what's happening yet last night. So we wanted to hold off until then. And, and so – but the big hullabaloo last week, which I know seems like 17 years ago, but the big hullabaloo was around what the San Antonio ISD superintendent said where he was on a call, I believe, with the editorial board at uh, the Express News. Correct. Uh, and, and, and basically said, look, we don't know, you know, as far as athletics are concerned. Uh, he basically said, like, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I, I, like, as far as athletics are concerned, we're waiting for guidance from the UIL. But I, he, some, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, I have a hard time believing that we're going to have athletics in the fall. Yeah, uh, was, was the, that. the the gist of it, and of course that blew up, and 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 you know you and I both tried to put out the fire a little bit and tell people, look, this is just that's not an official statement. It's more just like a uh, kind of an informed opinion. He's a guy who obviously you know has a lot of uh, you know is is an important guy who probably has some some uh, connections that he knows some things. But I would file that under an informed opinion in the same way that you would file any other, you know, you know, ranking official as, as an informed opinion. But I do think what's going to be interesting, and I think that it speaks to where I think my head is starting to go as far as football in the fall, which is you hit, the, you hit it on the head about the local control. And I think that's going to be a big player in the fall. And I, I, it would not surprise me Really and truly, it would not surprise me if the UIL says, yes, we are having high school football, and then there is some amount of teams, schools, that don't field the team. Yeah, because- I, can, I can see San Antonio ISD, Dallas ISD, Houston ISD, Fort Worth ISD opting out of football next year. Yeah. I could easily see that. Now, that's going to be really interesting because it throws off non-district schedules. It throws off – like let, let's say hypothetically Austin ISD decides not to play football next year. So what happens in that district where it's six, five of the seven teams are Austin ISD teams? You, you just leave Liberty Hill and Marble Falls left by themselves. What does the UIL do at that point? I mean, they, they've got some – that would they would have some decisions to make uh, from that standpoint. But, I mean, it is local control, and, and there's a possibility that some districts could potentially opt out of playing football in the fall. Yeah, I mean, well, because that's the other thing is and, – and I you know, I speak as somebody who's, whose wife is a teacher, and, and she is really – She's not sure if they're going if schools are going to open in the fall, and she is in a, a relatively large um, school district in DFW. Um, but she is like, look, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of mixed signals out there about what it's going to look like. And you know, look, if if schools if school buildings are not open, then it is extremely hard to imagine that football is going to be that they're going to feel the team. Plain and simple, and yeah. so. Like that's one of the things that we're kind of waiting on. And I think I've, I've started to, you know, this is all, it's all moving so fast and there's a lot of things to consider. Uh, if you were to ask me right now and it's May 19th, um, you, you know, if, if you were to ask me right now, what does the fall look like? My best guess is, uh, first of all, I do not think governor Abbott's going to close the schools from a statewide perspective. Um, specifically because I, like it would have to get really bad at that point. And at that point, football would probably be an, an, an afterthought at that point mm-hmm. um, because we would be dealing with a much larger crisis. Um, 
And furthermore, like, I think that would be very, not to get into politics, but I think that would be very politically damaging to him. I don't, I don't think he's going to do that. So then it's going to be the UIL. And if the UIL, if, if the schools are not closed on a state, if the governor tells them, doesn't, doesn't shut, tell the UIL to shut it down, then the UIL ain't shutting it down. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm at. And again, this is all my opinion. But then it gets down to the local level. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there is a pretty decent scenario where some teams field a team and others don't. And, you know, and as far as fans in the stands are concerned, I'm still, I'm still pretty leery of that. I still don't, I still don't think we're going to get to a point where we're going to be able to, to you know, maybe we get to a, a, a thing of like 25% capacity or something like that. Uh, but I'm not, you know, the, the idea of, the, of, of us having North Shore versus Duncanville part three and having 46,000 people at AT&T Stadium I just I don't see how that happens. Like, you know, yeah. And again, that's me talking on May nineteenth. A lot is going to change between now and then. But that is to me, after thinking about it a lot, I think that's where I've landed on the most on my most plausible scenario. Yeah, and I think you know you you, you talk about state championships in December. You know, you it also think about this. You know, let's say there's a twenty five percent rule. Well, I mean, twenty five thousand twenty five percent at AT and T Stadium is still. 25,000 people. So you can yeah. conceivably do that with some sort of crowd. If And that's just saying if we're at 25% in December, it's possible yeah. in December we're at 50% capacity, which 46,000 people would be 50% in AT&T yeah. Stadium. So there's some, I think there's some leeway there, but I think it's going to be definitely, it's going to, we're going to see a large variance based on location because mm-hmm. like I talk, off, offline we we're talking about Alpine because Alpine's our favorite city in Texas. Mm-hmm. Alpine has zero, zero cases of, of the virus in, in Brewster County at last check. Why wouldn't they have a full stadium? They have zero cases, right. you know? So there's some leeway there. I think, you know, what happens in one place may not necessarily happen. I think it's going to be very much uh, local, local control, but then you open up the can of worms. What if Dallas? What if the big city, inner city ISDs, decide not to not play football next year? Is there an ex- exodus of players from those districts looking mm-hmm. to play football next year? Because the, you know, let's be honest, some of these kids have a chance to earn a college scholarship by playing their senior year, and if they don't have their senior year, they're mm-hmm. going to move. So then, what does the UIL do? That opens up a totally different can of worms the UIL was going to have to deal with. Not to mention what I tweeted about earlier about out of state kids potentially, if their states choose not to have football, how does the because the UIL is going to have a lot of lot of uh, different irons in the fire in the next in the coming months. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be bizarre, and and like no like here is a stone cold guarantee, this will be unlike any Texas high school football season we've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. That is that is not a that is. I don't think there's anybody who disagrees with that. It's going to be different, um, and it's going to be you know I'm 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 encouraged by the news today. I think that it's an important inflection point of like you know all right here we go like we're gonna we're gonna try we're gonna try something we're gonna try to get back to a little bit of normalcy. If this goes well, that would bode well for playing in the fall. That is a totally different conversation than having fans in the fall, et cetera, et cetera. But I do think that today, ultimately, if you're a Texas high school football fan, was a cautiously optimistic day. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I frame it. So, yep. uh, okay. So there's a little bit of talk of that. We got a piece up on TexasFootball.com about that. Anyway, let's now maneuver over to the coaching change realm. And specifically, we are going to talk about uh, the goings on last night in San Marcos, as you and I, and um, I guess a, a fair number of other people, were watching uh, a school board meeting on Zoom. And let me tell you, if you've never watched a school board meeting on Zoom, you you haven't lived. No, I mean not. That's, mm-hmm. that's up there. That's up there, like Eiffel Tower type stuff. Like you gotta go. You know, it's it's uh, it's, it's a landmark moment. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we did watch that as they make the hire. San Marcos does, of course. Mark Soto leaves to go take over at San Antonio Johnson, and they have hired John Walsh. And you have been on. This has been a story you've had for. I I, I hate to say a month, but it's 
damn near a month that you've been sitting on something like this. Yeah, yeah. We, we, it's, it's been a hot topic in our Slack discussion. I, I finally got it narrowed down and, and, and confirmed uh, about a week ago, weekend last weekend, uh, before last weekend before last. Um, like I said, it'd be May 11th, I think, is when I finally kind of got it narrowed down. And got some some felt good about the confirmation that that John Walsh was going to be the guy presented to the school board. Um, talking to Coach Walsh um, after he was hired last night, um, you know, at first because at first you're looking at it and you're like, why is he going to San Marcos? They've been they've won two games the last two years. This guy, he's won two state championships. They played for a state title last year. Um, I know you know I know he didn't have a job, but why would he go to San Marcos? Well, let's let's also, let's remember number one, he didn't have a job. You know, Coach Walsh resigned at Geyer in early March, right when I returned from my vacation beginning of March, right before everything, right right before the S hit the fan, so to speak, with, with coronavirus, Walsh resigned. He kind of sniffed around at Mansfield, but a lot of the other jobs just didn't open up. So he really didn't have a gig. And so when San Marcos reached out to him, he obviously any coach, I mean, anyone who's got any kind of sense about him is going to listen when someone calls you with a job offer. So I think when they made him the job, when they called him and talked to him about the job, I think the more he looked into it, the more intrigued he got. Because number one, he didn't know San Marcos had the the kind of facilities that they had. I mean, San Marcos has some of the best facilities in 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 that part of the state. So I think that intrigued him. The fact that he was it's a one high school town intrigued him. Regardless of what happened in Denton, Denton's a four high school district now, and there's a red tape, and there's things you got to deal. With. There's challenges and issues that you have to deal with in a multi-school ISD that you don't have to deal with in a one-school town. So I think that intrigued him. He was he's, he gets to be an athletic director. He's never been an athletic director. He's head football coach and athletic director of San Marcos Consolidated ISD. That intrigued him as well. I think living in living in that part of the state intrigued him. I think he, he looked at that and thought, wow, this is this is great. And then the, the most telling thing I think that we talked about was he, he considers himself a builder of programs. You know, Geyer has been good for so long that we forget that when John Walsh got to Geyer, it was a brand new school. In the first two years, they went one in 19. He built that thing from the ground up. And he told me he was like, that was that's the most enjoyable thing I've, I've done in my coaching career is building a program. And I wanted, he goes, I didn't want to go to a powerhouse program. I didn't want to go to a place that's won a lot because I didn't, I didn't want to go somewhere where I had to maintain it. I wanted to go somewhere and build it because I, I've gotten more satisfaction out of building a program than anything else in, in my coaching career. So he mentioned when he got, when he was an assistant at Brownwood, he was part of a build, a rebuild, rebuild at Brownwood with Steve Freeman and obviously the Geyer thing. So I think the building process is is what excited him the most about San Marcos. And let's keep it real. He got a he's he's going to get paid quite well. He got a really mm-hmm. good financial deal for himself and his family uh, at, at San Marcos as well. So I think and that 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 I'm sure had something. You know, I'm not going to lie and say it didn't have anything to do with it because they, they they're they're going to pay him very well. And I, I I think I think he's been rejuvenated uh, by this challenge. Yeah, this is, you know, I think that it's catching some people by surprise because of like, how do I, like the one sentence description for Geyer and the one sentence description for San Marcos could not be more stark. Like no. they could not be more different. Like Denton Geyer is a state title winning, state title contending program in a major metro area that has, uh, you know, every, you know, quote unquote, everything you'd want, right? And San mm-hmm. Marcos is a team that has been, that is two and 18 in the last two years. But I think that, that again, the devil is in the details with this, that, that uh, you know, one, obviously the, the, the divorce with Denton ISD was not, uh, as pleasant as we as as maybe other exits uh, in Texas high school football. It's not the most pleasant that's ever existed. No, not not at all. It wasn't. No, and, and so he was looking for a job, and here comes a job that that if you if you just look a little deeper, if you look past that first line, and re- if you look past the headline and start reading about it, then you start going, oh man, there's a lot to like it. First of all. You do get to live in San Marcos, and San Marcos is pretty great. You know, let's it's talk a great about town. that. It's an awesome town. Great town. Secondly, the, the one school thing I think I, I do think that fans really, really underrate that. 
And if you talk with Texas high school football coaches, who was I talking to the other day? Um, oh, I was talking. I think it was Kevin Hall at Manville. But I was talking with him, and he was talking about how, um, he, like, he talks with uh, he's buddies with Jack Alvarez at Coppers Cove, or formerly Coppers Cove, now Aquero. And he mentioned he was like, man, uh, he just loves one like a one horse town. Like, there's just something about a one horse town that that you do have a little bit more. A little bit more control. Let's be honest. You have a little mm-hmm. bit more control. You are a little bit more in control of your own destiny. Um, and furthermore, whenever you start looking at the fact that that yeah, look, they were willing to compensate him yeah. pretty handsomely. <laughs> and 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 go get and, that money, player. Go get that money. Go get it. And and so yeah, look, is does this elevate San Marcos to immediate state championship contender? No, it doesn't. Uh, but there's not. There's only about a handful of those in the in the state every yeah. year. What this does, though, is set them on a course that if you want to talk three or four years from now, like we could be talking about a team that is a problem. Like we could be talking about a program that is on the rise, that is that is making moves, and and uh, that is the impact that they make. And, and yeah, look, San Marcos is not on your – if you're a Texas high football fan, if San Marcos is not on your radar right now, that's okay. Like they haven't necessarily the last couple of years deserved to be on your radar, but – I would just keep in the back of your mind that, you know, this is a guy who has built a program from scratch to a winner. And now he's inheriting a program with great facilities and uh, a one horse town. Some of the things that he didn't have at Denton Geyer. Yeah. He's going to have some some things at his disposal that he did not have. You're absolutely right. And and so that was, it was very interesting. I believe it was a unanimous vote, right? Seven nothing. Yeah. It was seven. Oh, and Walsh started today. He texted me today. He was, he was, he was there working and and we texted a little bit today. I, I told asked him if he went to eat at Herbert's yet. He hasn't responded <laughs> yet. So, uh, but he uh, he he was there today. He 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 went down there because uh, you know, he took the Zoom call from a hotel room, and mm-hmm. uh, and he's he wow. was he started today. I think he signed his contract today, and and he got going today. So uh, he's, and, he's ready to hit the ground running. And you made a very important point last night as well, because everyone knows that we are a volleyball podcast first and foremost. That's yes. what we are. Yeah. Uh, we're volleyball experts. Uh, there's a there's an added bonus to this as well for Sam yeah. Marcus. His daughter Maggie is a great volleyball player. I mean, Division One volleyball player. So I'm sure mm-hmm. uh, Sam Marcus volleyball coach uh, is going to be pretty fired up about that. And, and if I was Texas State's volleyball coach, I would offer her today. Yeah, I think she that's a that's, she's she, she, hell. She's probably the she's probably the the, the prize they really wanted. Instead, I mean, you know, Walsh is okay, but they, you know, Coach Walsh is okay. <laughs> they, they were really going after Maggie here. Is what, what yeah, this is Coach Coach Walsh. Coach Walsh is the uh, he's he's the chips and queso. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like he's the extra. Yeah, it's, it's, they, yeah. They really, this this was a Maggie Walsh hire here. <laughs> so so that's the big coaching hire, and and that kind of does as we kind of mentioned off the top. That kind of does bring coaching season, coaching change season, um, too, too close for the most part. Right now, according to TexasFootball.com, um, we have uh, one here, – here are the jobs that are open at present, okay? This is a, a list, and, and right now this is May 19th at 4.32 p.m. Crandall is open as Joe Dale Carey left to go take over Honda, which is, by the way, kind of underrated. I think that that didn't get a ton of pub, but – um, but but good hire for Hondo. Good hire for Hondo. Hondo. Uh, Corpus Christi West Oso West Bear is open. Pete Guajardo uh, isn't returning. Um, Longview Spring Hill is open. Uh, John Louvier is, is is out after one year. Uh, Nevada Community is out or is open rather as as Jeremy Turner is out after four seasons. Uh, Will's Point is out. Greg Cranville leaves after six years there to go be at Houston St. Pius X. Falfurias is out or is open rather as uh, as uh, uh, Sam Perez is uh, announcing his retirement. Uh, Jim, uh, rather Jim Wood is, is, uh, is, is leaving after moved to a new position at current city. Current city is open. San Angelo TLC is open. Uh, boys ranch came open today, right? Yeah. Boys ranch open today. Yeah. Uh, George Doak is moving to be there. Here, how's this for a move? This is, this has got to be like a, a like a, a easing into retirement move that George Doak, uh, boys ranch has been riding the struggle bus lately. Uh, he is, he's transitioning to their cross country head coach. That's a, <laughs> That that seems like a I, I don't know how how old Coach Doke is, but that seems like a all right. I'm gonna go be a cross country coach for a couple of years, and then I'm gonna retire. Um, uh, Har- uh, Harper is open as Mark Kiroff uh, left to go take over Fall City, which is a mm-hmm. big deal. We can get into uh, Crosbyton is open. Uh, Menard is open. 
uh, and uh, uh, Mount Enterprise is open. And so those are their 16 jobs open. Uh, I don't know if I would classify any of them as particularly high impact jobs right now. Yeah, I'd say of those ones that are open is, is Crandall probably the best one. I mean, Crandall, uh, the, the team that probably has the chance to be the best in 2020 is either Crandall or maybe like Mount Enterprise. Yeah. Yeah. Mount um, Enterprise had a really good year last year. Crandall's um, moving up to 5A. That's going to be a little, little tougher for them. I was yeah. also probably, you know, yeah. Spring Hill had a good year last year. But nothing, no state title. There's no state title contenders in this no. list. And so that, that kind of brings coaching, coaching change season more or less to a close. There will inevitably be some change that we don't get in the magazine. It's going to make me mad. But um, I, I want to we're do trying. a little bit. Yeah, I promise you we're going to do like the last thing we do is check coaching changes before we send that bad boy to press. But, so make, make your hires, guys. We're, uh, please, we're waiting. Please, please. Like I know there's probably only one. Like if you think about it, there's probably only one school board meeting left, and it's next Tuesday because Monday's Memorial Day. So um, we're up against it, guys. If you guys could all hire, that would be great. Anyway. Point is, I want to run through and do a bit of a coaching change postmortem. You you mentioned off the top that on the whole, uh, you know, usually realignment years and doesn't realignment feel like sixteen years ago? Gosh, uh, yeah, <laughs> dude, that yeah. was like four months ago. <laughs> that just, it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. That hit me as I was saying it. I was like, oh my god, that was that was in February. It um, seems like years ago. Oh my God. Anyway, um, but uh, realignment years tend to be more active than non-realignment years. Um, uh, you you would categorize this as a relatively slow real. It w- would be fair to say that this is a relatively slow realignment year coaching change carousel. Yeah, thanks coronavirus. Thanks thanks COVID. Thumbs down to COVID. Um, it's definitely slowed things down the last couple of months. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, a lot of guys are just like not, not looking to leave now. So, um, it's definitely, I think usually in a realignment year, we get 200 plus, And I, I, I think at last check, we were just barely over 150. So, yeah. uh, it, it slowed things down just a little bit. There was still a lot of impact hires, but I think over, with the overall number of coaching changes was fewer this year. And obviously I think it has a lot to do with, with the pandemic and schools being shut down since spring break. Yeah, and, and so you know a lot of a lot of I think there were a lot of schools that if they were considering a change, maybe that made them a little bit more gun shy, or if coaches were considering a move, that maybe said like for example, I I can tell you just from a from a from a personal perspective that like my wife is uh it, it was was giving consideration to to changing changing gigs, you know, changing schools and, or changing classes and stuff like that. And because of all this, she was like, I just don't need another moving part in my life right now. Yeah. And so, and I, I would say that that is probably similar to a lot of, a lot of coaches and probably goes to, goes to, to mention or goes to explain maybe why this is a little bit slower this time of year. This year. And, but, and also another thing to keep in mind is this, the jobs that were open that would have maybe hired someone from the outside that would have caused mm-hmm. an opening down the line, maybe deciding, Hey, you know what, instead of going outside, let's just go ahead and promote from within and move a guy up to keep some, some continuity in place. So I mean, that had an impact as well. Yeah. I think you're probably right. It, 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 to hire yeah. from the outside. Yeah, it's a good time to be an internal hire, basically. And, and yes. so um, I do want to do a little bit of coaching change postmortem. And so you and I have both looked over the lists that you can find at texasfootball.com um, of the coaching changes. And, and what I want to identify are the three moves, the three coaches in new places that you are most excited about for 2020. And um, and so I, you know, I, I'm going to, because we've already talked about him, I'm going to take John Walsh off the board. We just spent okay. 10 minutes. If you if you want more John Walsh talk, rewind the podcast and go listen to that. We're going to take him. We're going to move, remove him from consideration. We are, of course, excited to see what Coach Walsh will do at San Marcos. So give me a name of one of the coaches you are really excited about seeing at, at, a, at, a, at a new place. So I'm going to start down in Class 2A um, where let's go to Tenaha. And yes. Tenaha is a team that – Traditionally has been a powerhouse, stumbled last year to a five and five record. Um, and so their previous head coach stepped down. He's still going to be on staff, but he stepped down. And Jeremy Jenkins is the new head coach there. 
Jenkins spent one season as the head coach at Mount Enterprise, and they had a great year last year at Mount Enterprise going 10-2. and two. He goes back to Tenaha, where he was the defensive coordinator and where his brother serves as the head basketball coach, who was the head football coach in 2018, Greg Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes over a Tenaha program that has high expectations and is moving back down to Division Two where I think if you're looking for a challenger to Mart, if anyone can challenge Mart in Class 2A, maybe you can squint and see Tenaha give mm-hmm. Mart, Mart a little bit, but they're, they're probably the, the second-best team in that region. So um, I'm interested to see if he can get Tenaha back to that regional contender status that we think they can be. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent pick. And, and Tenaha, you're exactly right. I think they would, you know... Uh, I think you can maybe put them as chief challenger to Mart. Uh, I think there's a, a real a real argument there, um, at least on that side of the bracket. There's other teams. Uh, Bremont figures to be pretty good. Fall City will have something to say about it. But I think you're right that that, that in 2A Division two that's really interesting. All right, I'm going to go from 2A up to 6A because you know I'm a big school snob. Um, I'm going to go to Cy Fair, and I'm really interested to see what Jeff Miller does at SciFair for a number of reasons. One, um, it's always fun whenever an alum comes home. And, and Jeff Miller is a, a SciFair alum, and he's, he's a winner. He's, of course, won, at, won a title at Rockdale. Um, he is a well-respected guy in, in Texas high school football coaching communities. But more than anything, it is going to be really, really weird to see anyone besides Ed Pajowski on the sideline like that to me is the biggest thing is that like i swear this is going to happen on fox this is a promise and i love coach miller and we have talked and we are good and he is he is a guy that i respect a lot and i will absolutely say that sci-fair is coached by ed pajowski on the air on fox because it's just a force of habit like Mm -hmm. that is like the guy that's one of the guys who's been there forever and they have such an identity what i'm really interested in is to see what what the how the identity changes if at all and because every coach wants to put their stamp on a program and i think that this is an opportunity it's one of those things where they have such a unique identity of just hard-nosed physical defense and a grinding running game what does it look like under jeff miller who um you know was a little more wide open at rockdale like a you know a little bit more wide open do they open things up i'm really interested to see how he strikes that balance between like uh, hey, here's a perfectly good thing that works really well. And also, I want to I make sure I put my, my stamp on the program. So I'm very interested to see what happens with, uh, with Ed Pajowski at SciFair. My, my advice to Coach uh, Miller at SciFair, you just said what happens to Ed, Ed Pajowski. You just said it. Uh, it. <laughs> my advice to Coach Miller, give the ball to LJ Johnson a lot. That's, that's my yeah, okay. that seems like, That seems like an okay – you know what's weird, yeah. and, and and part of it is because I was I was doing um doing the six A preview for the magazine the other day, uh like it's very weird that two of the most prominent running backs in six A this year are named L J, that it's 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 L J Johnson at Cypher and it's L J Butler at Wagner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's, shout, that's, shout out to the L Js. That's a uh, that is a strange thing that interests only me, but that's why you guys right. subscribe to this podcast. Yeah. All right, nerdy stuff like that. <laughs> who's who's your second pick? I'm going to go to Cuero and Jack Alvarez taking over at Cuero. Um, tradition rich program here that won a state title just a year ago, two years ago in 2018, and stumbled last year to three and seven with a very young, young team. Um, you know, Jack Alvarez comes in with a lot of pedigree. I think he's a great fit at Cuero. I think, I think the. The team is going to be much more experienced next year. I think if they can pick up the new system and, and embrace what Coach Alvarez brings to the table, I think you're going to see Cuero zoom right back up amongst the chief challengers in 4A uh, Division Two and Region Four. Um, very, very excited. I think they're still Region Four. Yeah, they're in Region Four. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm excited to see Coach Alvarez and, and, and what he can do at a Cuero program that that stumbled um, last year, but but has as much pedigree as any program in the state of Texas. That's an excellent pick. I I think I think you know he's he's a guy who, who at this point needs no introduction. It's a guy who you know I think people people know who he is and and, and what you're going to get from him. And my question is going to be again, how do you put your stamp on that program? Because that is a ain't broke don't fix it type situation. But he is such a such a 
straight up good coach. And it's like, you would be by, by kind of trying to fit him into a box, you would be doing your own program at disservice and not utilizing the assets that you have on hand in coach Alvarez. I'm going to stay. Well, no, I'm going to go North. I'm going to go to the central Texas region. I'm going to go to four a let's talk about our 2019 uh, Dave Campbell's Texas football coach of the year uh, in Tristan Abram. Tristan Abram is heading to Mejia. And taking over a Mejia squad that, uh, that you know, of course, Coach Abron led Paul Pewitt to a state championship game a year ago, uh, did big things there at, at, at Paul Pewitt and, and kind of got them back on the, on the right track after, you know, scuffling for a couple of years there. He turned that thing around and went 22-5 and five in a pair of years, uh, got him to the, to the state championship game. Uh, and and it, a guy who is a rising young star in Texas high school coaching circles, taking over for Frank Sandoval, who goes over to West Mesquite. I'm also very interested to see what Frank Sandoval does at West Mesquite. But mm-hmm. I will also, I just think that what, Me, what Mejia has got there coming off of a really nice year last year, you know, back to back, you know, another playoff appearance uh, there in, 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 in um, there at, uh, at for Mejia. And when you take a look at, at what they've got coming back, you know, the cover's not bare. They're going to bring back six starters on both sides of the ball. And, you know, they're going to be – I think Mejia you can fit into when you start talking about 4A Division two. Yeah, they've got to run through Region two, But, you know, Carthage ain't there, and that's something. And, and I would just say that, that when you take a look at what Mejia's got back, I would install them as maybe a sleeper there in 4A Division two Region two that – uh, having a guy like Tristan Abram at the helm, uh, maybe he's that extra spark and, 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 and takes them from sleeper to contender uh, just like that. So I'm very interested to see what Coach Abram does there at Mejia. I agree. I agree. I think that was one, you know, that, that you know, when, when he expressed interest in that job, he called me and kind of asked me what I thought of Mejia and what, what I thought he could do there. And I, I, I told him, I said, I think, I think it's a place that, Coach Sandoval got them going in the right direction, and I think he's very capable of taking it to the next level. Yeah, I think so. All right, give me one more you're excited about. Uh, I'm going to go out to East Texas, and Tyler, where Joe Willis is taking Uh, over at Tyler Lee, and and Willis had a great run at Colleyville Heritage. He had a great run at Cedar Park. Um, And we're talking about a guy who's got a a really good overall career record. Um, You know, he's one – you know, he's – Willis was 40 and 22 in six in five years at Colleyville, took him to the quarterfinals twice. Tyler Lee is a team that brings back a ton of talent from last year. Kurt Trailer, who who left mm-hmm. to go with his brother Jeff at UTSA, got Tyler Lee pointed in the right direction. They've got, I believe, 17 total starters back. And I think Joe Willis, um, with with the way that, you know, he's got a great track record of success. I, I think that there's a high ceiling there for him at Tyler Lee. The issue is going to be for Tyler Lee. Tyler Lee's tried this before. They tried to bring in guys from the Metroplex to go out there and coach, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work. Um, you know, Clayton George, I think, comes to mind most recently. But the thing about Clayton George was he, he he was more known as an assistant coach than he was as a head coach. Joe Willis has a great – this is a guy who's won a state title as a head coach and been to another title game at Cedar Park. Um this is a guy who's won everywhere he's been, and, and I think uh, at Tyler Lee, the, the potential for, for them to make a big big leap forward this year is certainly there. Yeah, I think I think you're you're exactly right, and I think that you know that was another high profile move that I think uh, a lot of people may have forgotten because time has no meaning. Uh, but 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 him going to Tyler Lee, I think, is going to be really interesting. And, and and if you want to talk about, by the way, you want to talk about a fan base that will get behind you in a hurry. If you start winning big, they are hungry for a winner out there. And if, if he gives them one, like the whole city of Tyler is going to be behind him. So I'm you know excited. When he was hired. Joe Willis was hired on January 30th. There's no way that's true. <laughs> January 30th. That's, that seems like six months ago. And you know what? Was, he was at realignment in Tyler league year. I do remember he was at realignment. Entirely here. He's he was he that was 19 years ago, and you can't prove otherwise. All right, finally, I'm going to go off the board, and I'm going to go right. for weird. a weird one. Let's go to three A Division one, and let's talk about the new head coach of the Bishop Badgers. Okay? Oh man, this is your version of a hipster pick, isn't it? This is my hipster pick. Okay, so let's let's start by saying that uh, for Bishop, uh, hadn't been great lately. Okay. No, I saw um, him play last year. I saw. They, I, I was at a Bishop game last year. 
What a weird flex. Yes. Uh, they are five and fifteen in their last two years. They they were eight and three before the year before that, but this is a program that is right in the struggle bus a little bit. They're in need of a jolt, and they are bringing in Louis Rodriguez. Louis Rodriguez is the offensive coordinator from Bishop Gorman, and not the Bishop Gorman and Tyler. I mean Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Um, kids, Bishop Gorman. Yes, uh, the yeah. one that plays on like ESPN. Like, there's, there's very like for me. You and I are Texas high school football nerds. We we follow it very very deeply. There's only I'll be honest. There's only a handful of other of high schools in other states, and especially like I know a few. I know the big ones in like Oklahoma, right? Yeah, like the yeah. You know. yeah like the Union, the Jinx, right? Yeah. yeah uh, there was that. There's that Pulaski Academy in Arkansas that that runs that wild ass offense. Springdale, you know, there's a few in yeah, yeah. Louisiana, the, the states that touch Texas. We yeah, generally we, know who the good teams are. Yeah, we, we have a, a decent feel for that. And then there's others that have like a like there's only a handful that have like a true national brand. Most of the most of the high schools, frankly, if we, we can just flex on them, uh, most of the high schools that have a national brand are in Texas, right? Like Allen and Katie are our national brands. Cedar Hill, to a certain extent, is a national brand. Lake Travis is a national brand. Yeah, North Shore. Um, yeah. North Shore is a national brand, right? Uh, Bishop Gorman is a national brand. Like that's a program I know. Yeah. And and by Bishop the way, Landon. he's going to Bishop. He's going to Bishop, and no, no, I, am so, so I am so excited to see if this works. Yeah. Like, I, I'm fascinated by it. I'm really, really fascinated by it. And, and uh, you know, he does have Texas ties. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. talked you know, talk to Coach Rodriguez. He's from the Houston area originally. His first coaching job was as a junior high coach at, at, the, at one of Katie's feeders, Katie High's mm-hmm. feeders. Uh, so he, he's definitely, you know, chop, cut his teeth as a young coach in the state of Texas. Um, so I, I think it's just going to be just interesting to see. Cause, I mean, let's be honest. He's not going to have <laughs> – not, I'm not going out on a limb or he's not going to have the same kind of kids at Bishop that no. he did at Bishop Gorman, which recruits nationally. So right. it's going to be a, bit, a little bit of a different thing, but I'm, I'm really excited to see how okay. it goes. I will say this, and I'm just looking at our picks for the magazine. Of course, per, pick up your idea, Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. So you're getting the magazine mailed to you. That's great. Um, I will just say that like the, the district is not this like, crushing world beat like world beater that's going to beat them down every single week i think if they can steal like a game against san diego or a game against falfurias or maybe lifer's not as good as we thought they were if they can steal one they can be a playoff team yeah absolutely and that would be kind of fun anyway that's that's my that's my hipster pick um, and yeah, that is gonna do it. And we're going to round it out and I'm going to go work on the magazine more. Right. Uh, an hour. It's a little less than an hour this time. Yeah. A little less than an hour, but we, I feel like we, I feel like that's a jam packed hour though. Yeah, we did. it. Do you want to, um, tell the, tell the, remind the people of, uh, of some of the timelines for the magazine before we get yeah. out of here? Yeah. So that's a good, uh, that's a good idea. So since you're here, uh, you're probably thinking, Hey, when's my magazine getting there? Well, first of all, we got to finish it. I'm currently reading pages right now. Um, and so we've got, we, we send the magazine to press on May 29th. That is a week from Friday, um, a week from this Friday, we send the magazine to press on, on May 29th, June 1st. Uh, the goal for the editorial team is to be back in the office and we will be, so we'll be back in the studio and that is when we will reveal the cover of the 2020 summer edition of Dave Campbell's text football. And by the way, I should just tell you guys that like the, that Marco Regalado cover we mocked up, that's <laughs> not the real cover. <laughs> that was just for fun. Like we love shout, Coach Regalado. Shout out Coach Regalado. I hope you're listening. Yes. You, you're, you're a new insider, so I hope you're listening. Yes, uh, love you, Coach. We're not putting that on the cover. We we kind of promised it to to another another entity. Uh, but anyway, um, so uh, we'll reveal the cover on June one. At that point, generally speaking, it takes about three weeks for that magazine to press to to, to print because it's four hundred pages. They got to bind it and stuff like that. It just it takes a while. So if you're wondering when you as an insider are going to get your magazine, I would say start looking at the last week in June. So uh, that, that is a rough estimate. Don't hold me to it. But your magazine will be dropped in the mail directly from the printer. It will not go through the processes that usually slow it down hitting newsstands, which is 
normally the process is it gets printed and then it goes, gets on a truck and goes to a distributor. And then it goes from that distributor to an, onto another truck to a store. That is a lot of middlemen. You are cutting out the middleman. The only middleman for you is, uh, is the U S postal service. So, uh, you will get it mailed directly to you. Um, I would say again, start targeting that, that last week in June, say 25th through the 30th is probably like, that's a decent estimate. Don't hold me to that because there are things that do can and do go wrong in the printing process, but that's where we're at. So if you're an insider, by the way, Tell your friends that if they're not an insider and they do want to get their magazine mailed to them early, uh, the, we can guarantee as long as you subscribe by the end of the day on June 5th, uh, we can guarantee that we will mail you the magazine before it hits newsstands. So that is by June 5th. So tell your friends that if they want their magazine mailed to them uh, before it hits newsstands, subscribe by June 5th at TexasFootball.com. So, so that is my spiel. And the cover reveal is June 1st at noon on Tepin, on Texas Football Today. On Texas Football Today. That is when we will reveal that, in fact, the cover is just me and Step talking to the microphones. Yeah, That's it. We pulled the trigger. Yeah. We figured we'd talk about I know. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for being Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very much. Please tell a friend uh, about this podcast. And Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Tep and Step. Mm-hmm.